You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your attention now? Relax, Edward. It's good. You know what I mean? Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. Don't run when you lose. Don't whine that hurt. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass, 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 brass. I'm falling, and I can't get up! Welcome to Money Never Sleeps, the show where we talk about everything and anything that impacts the flow of money on a global scale, and it's good to be back in action after a short break. About nine years ago, actually exactly nine years ago today, a tech company went public, and they were on a mission to change how we connect with people globally, and they did just that, Google. They've been on the cutting edge of technology since its inception, and they're not falling down at all whatsoever. From Google Glass, from the Google Glass uh, initiative to their Moto X launch, they are looking to bring the next generation of technology to consumers globally uh, and affordably. And they are still trying to make the internet free. That's a great initiative that they have, and some, that's something I think at some point they they're going to accomplish because I think they 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 can make it happen. Uh, way way back, well maybe not too way back. Uh, but when we had antennas on your TVs, remember those? And we're able to get basic channels on our TV sets without getting billed. Someone said to me, at some point, we will pay for water and we will pay for television. I said, no way. But lo and behold, look at us now, paying for water, paying for TV. And, but I think that in the near future, you're going to see another change. And that will be the rise of Internet television, where people around the world will be able to access and watch on-demand programs for your charge. And I want you to mark this down because this will come to pass. And uh, it's a good thing for consumers, for, for television viewers, uh, film viewers, and for distribution points. And I'll expand on that thought in the coming weeks as uh, this is the future of television, people. Uh, this is one of many things that are going to be happening. Uh, moving forward, let's get to social media. Uh, well, according to reports, uh, Twitter is uh, in pure business mode, and they're inking deals with a number of entertainment and sports companies to use Twitter to market their content, especially live content. It's really interesting. According to this report, Twitter has tapped one of Google's top digital advertising people, and they can be on point, according to these reports, to have revenue of over $900 million in 2014, and that is a big jump to what they're doing now. Uh, they went, you know, throughout a number of years of not having any revenue. So they're turning that corner with having uh, certain people involved in the company. They're making it. They they changed their business model a little bit to make it, uh, you know, to monetize the, uh, the the company. Remember, this is a private company, so you know the numbers you really can't be sure of. But I do anticipate that this will go from a private company to a public company. Uh, either by the end of 2013 or sometime early 2014. So stay tuned because this is something that, you know, that that's going to come to pass as well. All right. Uh, now we talked about Twitter. Let's talk about Facebook. Something interesting happened today. Uh, Zuckerberg's personal account was hacked, or well, kind of hacked. What what happened was uh, an unemployed uh, techie. He warned the company Facebook on uh, numerous occasions. 
that it was a glitch. There was some sort of bug. There was some sort of window that would allow people that weren't friends with someone to actually go and post on their wall. So they didn't listen to him. And they said there was no glitch, and he posted all the, uh, the correspondence online. So what he did, he, he's one of the good guy hackers. So he took it upon himself to hack the account of uh, Mark Zuckerberg to show their security flaw. Now, with a billion users in place, you know, how scary is that? But more importantly, it's kind of embarrassing for Facebook as a public company to actually, you know, for someone to warn them and for them not to actually you know, to look into it. Uh, they have a program where they pay people that discover bugs and flaws because, again, a billion users, things have come out, and uh, you have a lot of, you know, great good guy hackers out there. So they actually uh, pay them. And, and from what I understand, uh, to date, I believe they paid out probably in the vicinity of a million dollars to these hackers. So uh, it's going to be interesting, but hopefully they close that up because it would be bad. You know, for the company, it would be bad for the people that use it, for their uh, accounts to be, you know, at risk of being hacked. I mean, anything could be hacked. Uh, you have people that are really good out there. They can they do what they do. Um, but let's see what happens with that as the story develops. Now, we're talking social media, so I want to stay on that topic for a second. I, what I want to do is I want to personally invite all of our listeners from all our shows, not, not just Money Never Sleeps, from all our shows, to be part of the next generation of social media. It's called Megahoot. And it's, it's actually beyond social media. It's a true network where our members can do more than just connect and send messages to one another. Uh, they can share and upload everything from photos, videos, audio. Uh, they can upload digital magazines. If, uh, you know, it can be a professional magazine. It can be uh, just an individual magazine. And I know that there's another uh, um, type of magazine that's going to be initiated there as well that's going to allow every member at will to actually create a magazine where they can actually share with, uh, with their friends and family. And also, you know, books, you know, digital books. Uh, they'll be able to do that too and upload them and at some point in time actually, you know, uh, monetize it. And, they, you know, members can go on and make video calls to other members and uh, voice calls. And the, the, I guess one of the, the key things with, uh, with Megahoot is that members can actually market their products or services. And all of this is free where, you know, members can go on, they can market, you know, on their, on their profile page, they can actually advertise whatever product that they want to advertise. And it becomes really interesting, you know, on Megahoot.com, and that is where you need to go, Megahoot.com, uh, we value each and every one of our members and give our members the opportunity to not only connect globally, but also to monetize their social media time. So, you know, all you need to do is go to Megahoot.com and get familiar with it. You know, go on there. There are a lot of uh, features that are on there now. There are a lot of features that are going to be uh, coming up, which are going to be valuable to the uh, the members of uh, Megahoot. 
you know, where you'll be able to monetize you know, your social media time. And why not? Uh, you know, whether, again, whether it's a magazine, whether it's a video, and, you know, we're, go- we're going to actually have some really, really interesting projects and features that are going to be uh, released in uh, the coming months. That is just going to open up doors for a lot of independent uh, directors, independent producers uh, of TV and film. You know, so you're going to have to stay tuned to that. Uh, again, it's just an opportunity uh, that uh, you know, you know, these independent producers and directors are going to find a value. And again, it's not just for them. It's, I mean, big studios will find value uh, in this too. So uh, stay tuned as we. Uh, as we move forward on that, okay, and uh, I, I, someone was asking me about Apple and what my opinion uh, on Apple was. Uh, you know, the reality is Apple, they're, they're an innovative company, and they always have been. Uh, they've always gone through a cycle of, you know, development, and it's, it's just interesting as technology advances and competition, you know, starts coming together. You have Samsung, you have Sony. You have Google, you know, with the, with Motorola. You have a lot of projects, or actually products coming to market from, from phones, from mobile phones to uh, to pets, to things of that nature. And it's becoming extremely interesting as to how all of that is uh, kind of like coming together. But I think for Apple to be able to compete, they have to continue with the innovation. They have to be continue to be the cool company that people like you know, with, with their iPhone. Because, you, you know, the company, in order for it to be profitable, uh, in order for it to just continue to be relevant, they have to continue to come out with products. They're product-driven. And so I don't know. I mean, unless they're coming out with something new and innovative, I really don't know. Um, I really don't know what the future is for the company. I think uh, short term, you know, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, the uh, higher valuations of the company. And hopefully they do come out with some some cool new gadgets for uh, for consumers to use. So we'll just stay tuned with that. And I'll have more thoughts on that uh, next week. All right. So now what I want to do, I want to go into the business of Hollywood. As we know, it's a rough and tumble business. Uh, <laughs> this is this is where only the strong survive. But with social media and the internet, it has given hope to quality startup projects that are looking for funding. And I want to bring on one of the creators of the awesome new web series called Urban Nature Man, starring Matthew Jager. If you haven't seen it, go to YouTube, look up Urban Nature Man. I mean, you'll enjoy it because it's different. So I want what I want you to do is please join me in welcoming Catalina Espiro to the show. Hi, Kato. How are you? <laughs> what a wonderful <laughs> welcome. I'm great. I love that clip. <laughs> you like it? Well, we have we have to go Hollywood for you. Oh, it was great. And when I first came into Hollywood, I really expected that kind of music to welcome me into the city. It really didn't happen that way, but uh, I finally got it after ten years. <laughs> yeah, after a little while. <laughs> it's a different type of song. It's more like Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> 
more of like a dun dun da dun dun da dun da dun. Yeah. But uh, it's it's trying, but it's still exciting though. You it even after all this time, it's still very very exciting. Well, you know the thing is in Hollywood, as I said, you know earlier, uh, which in your intro, it's a rough and tumble business, and you have to be strong to survive. Mm-hmm. You have to be smart. You have to take advantage of what's in front of you. And you Absolutely. know, if you're, if you're creating content, that's a key thing, and that's what you guys have done. So, well, why don't you tell us about Urban Nature, man? Because that's a really interesting project. Well, um, yeah, Urban Nature Man is a web series that I co-produce and direct. And basically, it's about a city boy's journey to reconnect with nature without having to become a total hippie while doing it, which is basically our tagline. And um, the whole the whole concept uh, behind it or how it was created was uh, Matt came from, you know, the Midwest, so he was always uh, around nature with the apple trees and, and picking berries and, and just the animals around and came to the big city in L.A. and basically living in the cement jungle and kind of longed for um, a way to reconnect. And and it, it really, we started realizing that a lot of people started feeling that way. And, you know, everyone's trying to get more organic. Everyone's trying to figure out where their food comes from, trying to get out more. And so, um, but then there's a bit of that eco guilt that comes along with it because we have all our gadgets and we have all these things that, that, that increase the carbon footprint. So we came together and like, you know what, it's time to find a balance between that. Let's let's make a show about our journey or, well, uh, my journey in, in the creative process and his journey and, you know, being the star of it um, and finding that balance and have our audience come with us and, and by urban foraging and um, going out and skydiving and hiking and, you know, finding ways to you know, reconnect with nature, not only that, but, you know, nature is something that a lot of people kind of admire at a distance. They don't realize, or maybe they're afraid of it, um, that it's there to not only nurture us, but kind of protect us in a way. They've got things that you wouldn't believe that can can heal you and can uh, protect you. And, you know, if we kind of have that healthy relationship with it, we can survive in this earth and um, and not have to give up the technology, not have to give up our city life, but just kind of just find that balance. And it's 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 really fun and it's a kind of a, it's, it's very comedic way of doing it because we're watching him as he makes mistakes and, and falters and we bring in guests that just would have, would otherwise have nothing to do <laughs> with this stuff but they're willing to take that chance, as well as experts that come in and teach Urban Nature Man a thing or two. So um, it's an amazing journey. It really is. And I just want our listeners to understand, too, that you know, between you and Matt, and you and I'm going to call him Matt because that's what I call him, <laughs> uh, you and Matt, <laughs> you, you, you guys have excessive experience in, in, in entertainment in Hollywood, you know, from, from plays to TV to film. You know, you guys have been around the block, so this is not your first band. Well, it is the the first thing that we're the thing that's that's uh, um, new to us is the fact that we are now we are producing it. We're the people behind the desk, behind the camera. Um, but yeah, Matt and I came out of here, came out here as actors, and um, that's kind of what's the dif- the difference is between 
uh, Hollywood business and other kinds of business is that we're coming out here not with a degree in business and marketing and all of these things. We're coming out as as creators, as as um, artists, and then um, and then coming into the business with that kind of mindset. We have to learn from the ground up and 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 you know land running to to make this business work. And with film, um, before all you really needed was a good idea, a good script. That's really all you needed, and somebody would come in and invest and finance, and you're good to go. Um, nowadays, people want a finished product before they even consider looking at it. So, um, so that's where the Indiegogo crowdfunding comes in. And I'm sure you know that almost everyone who's trying to get their um, get their start in in producing, they start with crowdfunding, and um, and right, exactly. So crowdfunding and, to, and, and that's to something that, that's something that was only allowed uh, not too long ago, you know, because that's something that the the SEC blocked because they weren't under, they that's weren't understand what crowdfunding was, and when they started to allow mm-hmm. it, then you had a lot of small projects, whether it be film or other things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, utilizing it. I mean, I have seen some really stupid things on there, like. Help me fund my divorce. Really? Really, dude? You know, you, yeah. you're actually putting that out there. But, you know, but what you're doing, you know, you have a quality product that initially, before the crowdfunding, you guys were funding this for yourselves. Still. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just like any business, you have to take out a loan or that kind of thing. But, you know, it's a little different with this kind of uh, venture um, just because with loans you need to prove to them that you have a product that is going to give you money to pay it back. And with this kind of thing, I mean, who's going <laughs> to – what bank is going to say, oh, yeah, that's that's a cute little web series. Sure, I'll give you $20,000, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So that's where crowdfunding is really the only way. Um, to get this this project together to, you know, right now we're on our second season, so we're getting this money together so we can finish our second season, put together a package um, to sell to sponsors, to find investors, to uh, shop it to networks, all of those things, but all of these people demand a finished, polished product, and with mm-hmm. that we need the crowdfunding. And that, that's what you're doing now, because you went through, you have your mm-hmm. season one and it's already done, and it's, it's out mm-hmm. there where people can actually go to YouTube and they can see Urban Nature Man, or they can go to mm-hmm. uh, your website as well and they can go they can go see it. You know, but right now you're looking to fund season two, and you're, you're choosing you know Indiegogo to, to actually do it. And I actually spoken to the um, the person that uh, that founded that, and it's a really interesting uh, concept. You know, you have a lot of crowdfunding sites out there. You know, right. for you, for you guys, what have what have you found to be the most difficult thing with, you know, with with the crowdfunding? Well, the the most difficult thing is that most a lot a thing that a lot of people don't realize when they start crowdfunding is that it's a full time job, and that it's not something that you can just say, oh, you know what, I'm, I'll do crowdfunding and I'm gonna put it up and then the money comes. It's so not true. Um, I would recommend anyone else who tries doing it is that they have to plan, plan, plan as much as they can ahead of time because part of the crowdfunding is offering perks. 
for example, uh, one of our perks is a an executive producer credit. So a lot of people who want that credit, uh, like for example, it's, it's official on IMDb. So if they want uh, credit as an as a producer of the show, they get that with our show. Um, so things like that. Uh, Perks are what would bring in people that are not just friends and family. So you have to plan those perks out. And then you have to be there every, I mean, every single day, just all day long, uh, tweeting and reminding people and getting people to share and, and at the same time hoping that they're not getting pissed off that you're bugging them. Because a lot of times they, you know, they're like, oh, I like that project, but then they won't, you know, they'll forget or they're in the middle, you know, of doing something else. And um, so those little tweets are, are reminders to get, you know, to reach them when they get back home and say, you know, we still need to hit that. If you're planning on donating, now's a great time because we want to hit this donation match. So um, it's, it's, it's a delicate balance we have to find to not, you know, overwhelm people with, um, with you know, trying to let them know what's going on and also making sure to kindly remind them that we're here. So, um, and now it's a, we've exhausted using, the friends and family without reaching out. You're using all types of media to do this, right? Say what now? Yeah, so you're using all types of uh, social media to do this. Right, exactly. Uh, we have to use, and we're using Twitter, uh, Facebook, and now we got introduced to the Megahoot, um, which has got, it's like overwhelming all the options that are there uh, facilitating um, this kind of um, this kind of, that it allow, allowing us to put our material out there in a way that the other social media will not be able to. So we're really excited to get that done, hopefully before the Indiegogo is finished. Because um, yeah. uh, you were just telling me about that amazing uh, kind of uh, an ability to put together kind of like a, an online magazine uh, to yeah. be able to express what our show is all about. So um, all of these things we're just kind of rushing to be on top of because uh, everything is just so fast. It just moves so, so fast. And um, to, get, to try and take advantage as much as we can. Yeah, and that's the world we live in. Everything is, is quick. Everything's moving. But technology moves. Mm-hmm. You know, as I, I mm-hmm. mean, early in the show, I was talking about television, where, you know, right. way back when, we had antennas. Right now, we don't have antennas. <laughs> we're, paying, we're paying to watch TV, which is really right. But but that's going to change, too, because Internet television, I said this earlier, I say it now, Internet television is going to be the next thing that's going to happen. And oh, absolutely. It's going to create so many opportunities for independent, uh, you know, producers, independent directors, you know, talent mm-hmm. actually. Focus on their creative. Have a distribution point, because distribution points are the key thing. That is how you, mm-hmm. make, you make your money, because you, you get distribution. You're able to get it out there. Right. The more distribution you have, right. you know what? If you have product placement in your, your show or your film, you know, that's going to help you because people, you know, advertisers will pay for that. So the, all these little things come into play, but this is the business of Hollywood, and this is Absolutely. what these are the things that, that you need to do. So it's not, you know, all smiles and, and glitz and glamour and diamonds are a girl's mm-hmm. best friend type of thing where people think. You know, you do have Absolutely. skid row over there. You do have things <laughs> that, that go wrong, hey, but it's a lot true. of hard work. And you know yeah. what? It's funny because the acting business and, and, well, acting and producing, well, the business of it is very, very similar where it's really all about 
um, it, it's, it, it has little to do with talent and mostly to do with uh, being at the right place at the right time and, and who you know and getting your face out there. So if you've got an amazing situation where you have a great product or a great talent, now all you have to do is just work your butt off to get your face out there um, because it's just finding that one person or those ten people that are the right people to get to where you need to go you know, to get your message out there, your product out there, and that's exactly what we're trying to do with Urban Nature Man. Well, I think that you have a great product there. I think you're going you're gonna to have a lot of success with it. You know, why don't you uh, give information on how people can find out more about Urban Nature Man, find out what you guys are doing, find out about your, your crowdfunding situation. Uh, just give them the website so that they, they know what to do. All right, yes, you can go straight to www.urbannatureman.com. Everything you need to know is on there. Um, right on the first page, you'll see uh, a button that says Indiegogo. And uh, right now, we just had an anonymous donor saying that he will match um, donations up to $2,000. And, um, and you can go right there and see that and contribute. And right now, our goal is very humble. It's, it's 8200 and that's all really what we need. But anyone out there who would like to be you know, a long-time investor, uh, we, you can contact contact us through that website, urbannatureman.com, and watch our videos and know what we're all about. All right, that's fantastic. And I do urge anyone listening, if you want to be part of a project that's really, really good, trust me on this, Urban Nature Man, go check it out at urbannatureman.com. And, you know, this, you know, people, if they had the opportunity to, to invest in, in Two and a Half Men or the Big Bang Theory and, and, and shows like that, you know, they'd, they'd have a big score. Uh, so this is an opportunity not only for them to help, you know, with what you were doing with your with your project, an independent project, right. but also to be a part of something that can be uh, great, in my opinion. I think it's going to be great. Catalina, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank we're going to have you back on. Thank hopefully you so we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get Matt on so we can talk more about Urban Nature Man. Hopefully the next time we bring you on, uh, you'll be funded, and we'll, we'll speak <laughs> about your next, uh, your next deal. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's great. always great talking to you. Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Now it's time to, uh, to find out what's going on in the world, according to John. So please uh, join me in welcoming Ario Capital's John Dinesh to Money Never Sleep. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you, Lou? Good, good. We're on hiatus a little bit. We're back in business. We're back in action. You know, uh, what what has been going on in your world? Well, um, as reported in my latest blog article, uh, this year in 2012 is set to be the best year for fundraising since 2008. A lot of, a lot of money slowing now. Yeah, more more money flowing into uh, private equity funds and uh, fund of funds, uh, as well as venture capital funds, and uh, we're we're seeing um, that uh, confidence come back in, into that market. And and frankly, I I think it's um, based on several other factors. But uh, I'm glad to see it. Well, can I ask you a question, John? You know, since this is something that's been happening recently. The SEC has been targeting hedge funds, private equity funds, 
things of that nature, you know, with regulation. You know, how do you think that's going to impact that industry? Well, the the SEC has also uh, done a 180 and lightened up on advertising regs for for um, Reg D uh, 506 uh, private placements, and now whether you're a hedge fund or a private equity fund or or uh, any other fund, um, you can now advertise um, without uh, fear of uh, the SEC uh, banning you for life. Um, they have not yet uh, stipulated any regulations yet on crowdfunding. I think that that's going to be next. They're going to, I think, start to regulate that market because it's been such a free-for-all with mm-hmm. respect to people raising capital in, in that segment. Um, and that's what uh, many lawyers that I talk to stipulate, that, that uh, the SEC is trying to figure out how to regulate that crowdfunding before it gets too out of control. But um, but they're, I, I they're think, um, I think it's, I think it's getting out of control already, you know, because crowdfunding is a great tool. The problem is, as I said earlier in the show, um, you know, I've seen people that are trying to raise money to, to get a divorce. They're trying to raise money so that they can do, they can go on vacation. You know, uh, I mean, I mean that's. I mean, when you're raising money for a project, that's one thing. You're raising money to, to go and go on vacation. That's a different animal altogether. So I, there has to be a line there. Right. And the other, the other thing, Lou, is that there's no dissemination of whether someone's an accredited investor or a qualified investor in crowdfunding or mom and pop with their life savings. And that's where the SEC is getting nervous about uh, people who are not accredited participating in that crowdfunding. And, and they're clamping down now on on guys like me who who by no means uh, have anything to do with the investment decisions of any fund or we do not um, participate in, in any type of um, 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 transaction-based compensation uh, such as the broker-dealers, but, but yet it's almost as if the SEC now is becoming the traffic cop on the side of the freeway, pointing the gun at everyone they can to to try to increase the amount of revenues for that agency uh, by just throwing a, a blanket over everyone and saying you're all going to get licensed. Yeah, it's 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 a crazy it's such a crazy time that we live in. You know, we we've been through the you know the wild wild west. You know, uh, back in, in in the in the nineties. And then we were back in that in, you know, the mid-2000s. And now with, you know, the SEC, they're, they're um, you know, they're, they're going on. I mean, I, I, don't, I can't blame them because they're trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. And I think that they're, they're going to have to figure it out, you know, because they just banned uh, Phil Falcone from, uh, right. you know, from, from trading for five years. And he got a big... And I don't even know what he got hit uh, with fine wise. Well, there was there was a I guess what uh, created some nervousness in, in me was there was a capital raiser in Chicago whose buddy uh, was uh, the CEO of a real estate private equity firm, and he helped him raise over three hundred million dollars for his real estate private equity fund. Uh, this was in March of this year, matter of fact, and. Um, the SEC came in, and I, and I guess 
this guy, this capital raiser, did a, f- a few things wrong that that would make him uh, under the, the regs of a broker dealer. He told pension funds, endowment funds, and foundations to increase their allocation uh, to private equity um, from the, the 20, standard 20% to 30% and beyond because he believed so much in this real estate fund. He went on and did seminars um, on this real estate fund. And um, so all the actions that, that he took were that of, um, of a broker-dealer, and mm-hmm. uh, they unwound his $300 million in capital he raised, fined him, banned him for life from the securities industry from ever doing anything like that again. Um, and, um, uh, you know, they basically uh, now are saying that everyone who's even, – even though, and this is what upsets me, is that even though I'm not t- – there's, there's no risk to the – the qualified investor to, to, to the foundation, the pension fund, the endowment fund. These guys have CFAs that are amply qualified to disseminate what the risk is in, in any unregistered security. And, and by no means are we going to be able to, as capital raisers, fool any of these um, qualified investors um, into uh, investing in these funds um, so there's really no need to to regulate and and make us uh, become registered with a broker dealer, but uh, but they think that uh, that we should be and, and therefore we have to run all of our capital raises now through a broker dealer, pay the broker dealer ten percent, and of course the broker dealer is in fact taking part of that money and paying off the SEC and Finra. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. This this, this reminds me of when uh, you had you know people with Series Seven registered and they were on uh, they were on the street, the drill site advisors that were not registered, and they went right. through that whole process of registering them that you had to be Series Seven sixty three and everything and be attached right. to a DD. You know, and that's something that you know they're doing to to you now. But in in reality, you know the private equity funds that are out there. They need capital raisers. They need people that are going to be able to raise this capital because if you're not raising the capital, they're not able. They're not going to get the money that they right. need to even overcapitalize what they have because they can always open another fund. But also the companies that they invest in, the startup companies, these opportunities that arise, they wind up suffering as well. So this is well. The SEC is, is going 180 degrees away from Obama's Jobs Act which was passed to increase capital raising uh, and stimulate the economy uh, and make the capital raising process easier for private equity um, and hedge funds. And the SEC almost appears to be saying to the administration, you know what, we don't care what you guys say. We're going to do it our way, and uh, we're going to generate as much revenue as we can by just requiring everyone, even even though we we initially made people become registered with a broker dealer to protect mom and pop's life savings from from scandalous brokers who would try to trick them into investing into unsuitable investments, and uh, you know we had to do, to try to protect the public, uh, and really I don't see any reason. To, to make someone who's dealing with institutions 
registered with FINRA, there's there's no protection needed for a qualified investor. Because with a if you have an accredited investor, they come to you. Let's say you bring them, introduce them to a fund. You're introducing to, to a fund. They go and they they speak to the fund manager. At, you, at that point, you're kind of out of the equation. You, there's nothing for you to do other than make right. the introduction and step away. Right. Right. You know, and, you're, and you're not touching their money. You're not you're not touching their money. You're not giving them advice. You're presenting the opportunity. Say, here it is. This is what you have. These are the three private equity funds that are available that are looking for funding. If you're you know you're interested, we'll put you in touch with X Y Z, and you step away. Right. And and years ago, um, there used to be a uh, a rule uh, with the SEC uh, that was called uh, Rule Three A Four One which was as a finder, uh, and if you were not involved in any of the securities transactions and you did not give advice on the investments in the fund and you did not receive transaction-based compensation and you were not involved in any of the investment negotiations, you were allowed to bring qualified investors and and, uh, issuers together as a finder and get paid a fee. Mm-hmm. And now they're saying, you know what? We don't believe that uh making an introduction is not a transaction based compensation. To me, Lou, transaction based is I call you up and I say I've got a hundred municipal bonds paying a five percent yield, they're triple A rated, do you want to buy them or not? You say yes you send me a check for $100,000, that's a transaction. I agree. But, I agree. But if and I'm making an introduction from uh, private equity fund A to pension fund B, and I'm getting paid a flat fee you're for get, that you're introduction. Getting, uh, you get a referral fee. That's what it is. That's right. It's a flat right. fee. Right. And, and they're saying that even though it's a flat fee, we still – Considered a transaction. But how, I mean, I, it, how is it a transaction if you're not involved in, in the financial end of it? That's a okay. very good question, Lou. And and it's um, just it's very frustrating to to me because because it's almost like um, the bookie strong arming uh, the client into paying the interest rate that he charges, and either you pay it or I break your arm. Right. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a very, I mean, how, how they're doing things, it's, it's interesting, and I really don't know where it's going to go. I, I oh, think I tell that, you, Lou, you know, I, I tell you where it's going to go. As, as an advisor, you know, you have a, a, a financial advisor, okay, they have the ability to make a transaction. They can do that. They can do that on your behalf. They can do that on, on behalf on the behalf of their client. They can actually call a broker and or they can do they can facilitate a transaction if they're registered. They can do it at their firm. You cannot. You cannot go and say, Hey, you're gonna do something on their behalf because you can't Right. Right. And and what's what's so foolish to me is that um if if I'm merely making an introduction and and I'm going ahead and stimulating uh, private companies, the growth in private companies, 
through the institutional clientele that I have. And these these institutions, as I said, have certified financial analysts that that will diagnose and 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 uh, dissect the the returns on a month to month basis and and their decisions are based purely on the numbers and if the numbers jive they make an investment if they don't they don't and it's it's right. not based on any emotion it's all logic and it's all based on numbers unlike mom and pop who may be swayed by uh greed and make an investment based on emotion these institutions are making no investments based on any emotion. It's all uh, do, does the risk management meet their criteria and do the performance numbers meet their criteria. And if they do, they invest. If, if it doesn't, they don't. That's it, you know, because this is a far cry from, you know, a, a broker calling up a potential client saying, stock's going to move today, you have to buy today. The, the, the urgency is, is not there per se and you're not there's no way you can put that pressure on them because everything as you said is logic everything has to make sense business-wise you have an accredited investor they're accredited investor for a reason they have their CFAs they have their people that they can actually go to and say hey look at this fund for me let me know what you think that's right Lou when I started in this business in 1987 you, I remember the boiler room tactics of taking. Oh, that was the wild, wild west right there. <laughs> yeah, take, taking the stapler like the ticker tape. The stock's yep. going out of control, Lou. You got to buy it, Lou. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You go, you say you're you're stone throw away from Wall Street. Meanwhile, you you're way in Michigan, let's say. You know, uh, you can't do that anymore. All that stuff and all all the painting and the picture and everything. You can't it, that 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 pressing that greed button doesn't work because right. people right. want to see, especially if you're talking about accredited investors. They want to they want to see the numbers. How does this make sense? You're not right. pushing a private placement of a private company. You're introducing, you know, a, a private equity fund that is looking to raise capital. You know, it's a private right. placement, but still, you know, it's 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 just just different because it's based on them speaking to the fund manager and it's based on it making sense. What's what's going to be next, Lou, is they're going to attack that crowdfunding that you were talking about, and they're going yeah. to put very stringent rules and regs on crowdfunding. And, and I'm not certain what pr those parameters are going to be yet, but I've talked to securities lawyers who deal with private equity who said mm -hmm. it's coming. Yeah, well, look, I remember when – when the Wall Street Journal was, they did an article on it. They they interviewed me for the article on crowdfunding, and basically, you know, I mean, I I thought it was it was an interesting idea. I thought it was I thought it was good if it was used the right way. The problem is, as I said, and I said this back when I spoke to the Wall Street Journal. This is why they didn't they didn't post they didn't they didn't print what I said. I said if this is utilized for anything other than raising capital for small companies, you're going to have a problem. And that's what it's being used for. You, I mean, you have people raising money for projects and things like that, which is what you want it for. But people raising money, for, I, have to, I want to go buy a dog. Help me raise the money. Really? But they're doing it <laughs> because they're allowed to. And and then, you know, the way the way they work it, and you have, you know, these, these crowdfunding sites like Indiegogo and a few other ones, you know, they, they give 
they, they, uh, the way they work it, I think that there's a time limit or something or an amount limit or a time and amount limit, you know, but again, these things are going to come under scrutiny, and I think it's going to be just a matter of time because if the SEC can regulate this, what does that mean? That means, oh, I mean, I, I got to play a song for this because it, it's a reality because this is all that I think about. That's what happens. That's to do with the money. That's the, it, it, the, the money goes right in there because now there's a now they 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 can charge, and th- th- you have a fee. Right. So if they regulate right. that, now how does the crowdfunding work? Only a registered broker can actually go and do it. Right. So only an accredited right. investor can actually do it. So now you just killed the reason why people go with the crowdfunding because now your 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 sister or your brother or your cousin cannot go and use the crowdfunding to actually become an Excel like with I was talking about Urban Nature Man. They can't you they can't go and invest and become an executive producer because now they have to register that. So how it becomes problematic, I think. Well already this year also the the other issue that's arising is that uh, emerging managers are finding themselves with a lot more difficulty in raising capital because uh, these registered investment advisory firms, the pensions, endowments, foundations, and family offices that I deal with are becoming a lot more um, uh, selective in the funds they do invest in. And instead of Looking at a plethora of, of funds, they're narrowing down their choices. And and when a, when a, a new emerging manager comes by with a with a fund that looks interesting, a lot of these guys are saying, you know, you know what, we're going to pass. Nope. And and these emerging managers are finding themselves with a great deal more difficulty. However, this year though. U.S. private equity funds did raise over so far this year 86 billion for 235 funds, which is a 27% increase. But and European funds also raised so far 37 billion in 79 funds for a 39% increase. And of course, venture capital funds are also increased by 59 billion with 108 funds, which is a 30% increase. So we are seeing. The trend uh, in, increase, but it, it's it's much more selective. Yeah, well, I, we think it'd be selective at this point because, again, you know, I spoke about Phil Falcone, okay, and what what happened to him just recently. You know, uh, when they went after uh, uh, Steve Cohen at SAC, okay, that spooked a lot of people too because they didn't they didn't go back a year or two or three or four or five, or six, they went back a long way. They went back right. a long way to, to, you know, so they can get it. I mean, because the way it looks like to me is that they're looking to take every dime this guy has. Yeah, it's it's uh, it seems contrary to me to, uh, to the Obama administration trying to stimulate the economy with making it easier to, to raise capital. Um, and it seems that they've become uh, increasing in their regulatory actions, uh, thus making it, as a result, more difficult to, uh, to, for for the economy to uh, to grow in in the in the private investment world. And then, of course, you've got 
you've got the debt ceiling looming that uh, is coming up that uh, could create the, the shutdown, making people nervous. And you've got Egypt uh, not uh, uh, cooperating, making the, the oil uh, uh, futures uh, skyrocket. So, so there's there's a lot of things going on. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of things going on. And, you know, again, going back to the private equity and to the Obama administration, you know, uh, trying to stimulate growth, the, the, the reality is if you have a private equity fund that is investing in U.S.-based companies to grow, how can you, how in your right mind do you, why would you want to hold back from them getting funded? Because you stimulate the economy. You, you're stimulating U.S. growth, okay? You know, you, I mean, especially if it's a manufacturing, even internet, whatever it may be, you know, technology, things of that nature, we have to get back back in the groove. And you have a lot of small companies out there, you know, like in, in the tech industry, you have a lot of companies that are coming out that are getting funded in the tens of millions of dollars, okay? Right. To and and, not, to, and not to mention that... And I hate to throw this in this curveball into the equation, but when you've got now in October Obamacare that's going to come into effect, and many companies are holding off from hiring, and if they do hire, they're only hiring part timers. Um, you know it, that also throws a, a, a monkey wrench into the equation as far as the private equity funds growing. And and what I think is going to be the end result, Lou, is that the the guys who are 62, 66, 68 years old, and and they're the CEOs of these smaller uh, companies um, that are being uh, courted by the various private equity firms to to take a golden parachute out are, in fact, going to do that. They're going to take advantage of the ability to parachute out with a very nice bonus and and a very nice price uh, on their uh, companies, and um, it may be sixty cents on the dollar, uh, but I, I think after everything is all said and done, the sixty-two or sixty-six year old is going to say, "The hell with all this regulation and aggravation. I, I'm going to take that golden parachute. I'm going to let this private equity firm run it. I can still be on the board and help them and get paid uh, some type of a salary." But eliminate all the aggravation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know you're probably not far off from that. Um, with you know, you have a lot of companies that have gone public. You have a lot of companies that are going public now, and they're doing it because you know there's money flowing. You know, Facebook went public. Money was you know flying out of that, going elsewhere. People have money moving from Google and all this tech. You have a lot of money flowing around. So the companies that go private, they're being bought out. So now that's more money coming back. You know, you have a lot of private equity funds that only invest in private companies. So when those companies right. go public, that money's coming out. It has to go somewhere else. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. But with the heavy regulation, it becomes really, really interesting on on how things may work. And you know, again, some some industries are, are more regulated than others. You know, and for good reason. But when you, like with what you're doing, you know, I think it's very interesting that they are clamping down on the private private equity uh, firms because every day on the news you see something going on. Okay, today was well, with Well, what's tomorrow? I, I do see deal flow increasing 
And that's why I made the statement that I just made, because if, if deal flow for private equity firms is increasing and they're seeing a lot more of these companies to be able to buy, there, there's got to be that, that aspect of, of, uh, of the uh, CEO throwing in the towel. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if, if that is the case, though, you're, on the other hand, you're right, because you're not seeing the ability for these private equity firms to, to get the financing to, to buy out these companies because it is becoming um, more difficult or more expensive for them to do it. So they're, they're, they're being more picky and choosy about the companies that they are putting in their pipeline. And um, it is holding back what I think could be um, exceptional growth in the United States uh, in the private sector uh, because of this regulation. Mm. Well, I, I think that it's going to be an interesting, interesting, definitely an interesting situation. You know, um, again, you know, the SEC, they, you know, they have the power to regulate whatever they want to regulate and in regards to, you know, the public markets, you know. Um, but, again, you know, and I go back to what I said earlier, if you have private equity, then they're investing in U.S.-based companies and they're sparking growth, they're creating jobs. This is what the Obama administration is about right now, creating jobs. If they're investing in these companies, allowing them to grow, instead of having five employees, they can have 50. Instead of having 50 employees, they can have 500. If you're giving them, the, giving them the op- that opportunity to grow, more people are going to have jobs, and you'll have less people on welfare and, and less people you know, bleeding the system. So, right, you know, like like that like that surfer guy in California that was featured on the news, who uh, who, who thought it's uh, purely okay to to just surf and collect food stamps. Yeah, and and you have a lot of people like that. That's the funny thing. You have a lot of people like that. That it's more cost effective for them to stay home, collect welfare because they'll make more money doing that. And that's why in in Seattle, uh, what they're looking to do, they're looking to raise the minimum wage to fifteen bucks an hour. And that's going to be interesting. That's, that's ludicrous. And and yeah. uh, and and now they said over 16 percent, 50 uh, million people are on food stamps, and and it's mm-hmm. the highest um, level that uh, we've ever seen um, with with that uh, um, entitlement program. Yeah. Well, I tell you this much: if they if they pass this deal that <laughs> Seattle is going to have a mandatory $15 minimum wage, you're going to see that city crumble because you can't have someone that's just sweeping the floors and you're giving them, you know, you, I mean, what are you going to give someone that's cooking the food? What are you going to give someone right. that's serving? You know, how well, does that it, work? I mean, what, is, the, someone, it, is, someone, is, is someone going to make $30 an hour? This is, this is, Lou, the catalyst that was the demise of Detroit. You, uh, I spoke with the president of Ford uh, Real Estate, and they they closed the the Ford Wixom plant that used to produce the Lincoln Continentals here in Michigan. And uh, I asked him why why not sell that land? It's, it was a huge parcel of land. Why not sell it to Mazda or Toyota? And his response was, we could have given it away for free with all the equipment inside for free and he said no one would take it because the unions were choking Detroit 
and it was far more cost-effective for us to build a new plant in South Korea. Yep, and then they're actually they're actually uh, cutting back over there as well because they're not they're, that's not a big market for them. So they they're looking to do something somewhere else. This is what I'm saying that they got to stimulate business in the U.S. You have manu- car manufacturers, GM, Ford, so on and so forth. They're here. They're here. You have Apple manufacturing overseas. They half their revenue stream is overseas because they can't repatriate it because they're going to get taxed up up to kazoo, double taxed. Right. Okay. So how we does have- that help the economy? You know, there, there's so many there's so many different problems that are out there, and and you know every every week on the show we're tackling uh, you know these these topics. You know, and it's like, I think, you know, next next week, I think we're going to have a, a full blown out show based on just what's happening in, in Detroit because I've seen the pictures. I've seen it. I've seen the video. I, I see how it is over there. And the, the, the damn, the, the city, what, they declared bankruptcy? <laughs> really? Right. And, and, and Chicago's next, they said, if unless yeah. Chicago gets concessions from the unions on their uh, pension funds, uh, they're $400 million away, uh, they're in debt, and uh, they're going to file bankruptcy. And they said New York is right after Chicago. Well, you know, New York won't ever come to that point because you have too many powerful people here, and especially with Bloomberg in, in office. You know, if if, if they get uh, you know, a Democrat or, or, or someone that's not a businessman, you need a businessman in big cities to be the mayor. You need a businessman. I'm sorry. In New York, you need a businessman. They got it. Chicago, you need a businessman. Detroit needs a businessman to go in and, and restructure everything. They don't have businessmen. They have, they have politicians. And that's where you have a problem. And these unions are a problem as well. Lou, we didn't have a businessman as a mayor since 1986. We had thugs that were crooks who okay. stole from the city who thought of their own pocketbooks, nothing more, and subsequently you can only steal for so long, and after a point there's nothing left to steal. That's good, and that's where they're at right now. There's nothing left to steal, and that, that's, that's the reality of it. You know, But we have to definitely, you know, we, we don't have too much time left on the show, but next week we're going to touch on all this stuff, talk about the unions, talk about what's going on, and I'm sure more things are going to develop this week uh, in the world of private equity because, I mean, every day there's something new going on out there. Now, I just want to let our listeners know that uh, that John, he's going to he's going to start putting together, he's going to have a blog, well, actually all his blogs that we're going to actually put together, and we're going to create a, uh, a uh, digital magazine that, you know, Listeners can actually go and download on megahoot.com. You know, that's something that's going to be in development in the next week. So you want to, you know, go on there and you can actually download it for free and read it online for free and, and do all that stuff. So we're going to really make that sharp and, you know, to, to help educate our listeners a little further. Now, John, um, why don't you, you know, do it, do it, go. And just give people your website and everything, and uh, close it. Close it out. Okay, good. Thanks, Lou. And uh, and what what I uh, hope to be able to do for the listeners, of course, is is be able to touch on with uh, regards to that um, uh, different different topics, uh, <clears throat> such as 
private equities, uh, such as the economy, um, such as fundraising. Um, I, I've got articles uh, to post about uh, the, the bond market, uh, about um, the equity markets, the U.S. economy, um, and so forth, to keep everyone updated. And if they go to www. REO Capital LLC, uh, they'll be able to get a flavor for, for what's uh, going to be in store uh, for, for your digital magazine. And, and, I, and I try to keep it um, uh, current and, and topics that are relevant uh, to today so that uh, you're right, they can get educated. Yeah, and that, that, that's what we want to do. We want to you know, keep everyone educated and keep everybody just uh, flowing forward with information. And, and that's the important thing. You're right. Is, is to try to, to sort through the confusion and, and uh, post uh, the information that is is uh, um, reality and, and uh, that can uh, sort through and, and really define the trends. All right. Well, you know what? We'll be back. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have that done uh, this week, and we'll be back with our listeners uh, next week, next Monday, seven o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Talk more about. You know the the world of finance and what's going on, and you know what you know how the, how the money's moving on a global scale. We have so many things to go over, and we just don't have enough time and within an hour to do it. But John, thank you again, and again, you know we're we're back in action, and just look out for the digital uh, magazine. I think the digital digital magazine just may be called for your for your uh, segment. Uh, John may be called REO Capital. Who knows? You know, but we'll, we'll work on <laughs> that. We'll get that done. I look forward to it and uh, look forward to to getting uh, uh, the information to you. Excellent. Thank you, John. Okay, and to our listeners, we'll be back with you next week, and thank you again. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your attention now? For lack of a better word, it's good. You know what I mean? Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. Don't run when you lose. Don't whine that hurt. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass, 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 brass. I'm falling, and I can't get up! Hey!